Hello and welcome to the ETPHD Mentoring Podcast, the business podcast that will help you grow your business and yourself within a flourishing and healthful life, whatever that looks like for you. Like, share and subscribe to the pod for the ultimate good karma and reach out to us with any questions that you have. The details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 12 of the ETPHD Mentoring Podcast. Everyone will be pleased to know that you're back. Hi, with you. How are you? I am good, thank you. How are you after your week off where people lost their minds? Everyone lost their minds. I was getting messages like, are you okay? Like, yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, no, someone commented on my post like, I didn't even notice you were gone. I was like, <laughs> keep that to yourself, Brenda, okay? I'm like, my ego is not up for that. Um, it was It was great, actually. And as much as I've kind of made a big deal of saying, you know, like it was a holiday and I, I took time off, like that, that is the first time I've ever taken a full week off without going on opening Instagram. And um, it's the first week I've not opened Instagram since I joined Instagram, probably, which is a really upsetting thing to admit, to be honest. But you know, we live and learn. Um, but no, it's good. I, I was saying to some of the girls that I that I mentored earlier, actually, um, it it's it's not that my work has changed since I got back. I'm just bu- I'm much more buzzing to speak to people. I'm much more buzzing for the for the outcomes that they're having and the work that they're doing. And you know that like we've been working through some stuff with ETPHD and I feel much more able to make decisions. I, it's like I can hear myself again. The best way to describe it, and, and if, you, if you haven't taken a holiday for a while, which I'm sure you definitely can't relate to, is... It's, you don't realise how loud your head is until your head goes quiet. And yes, meditation is great for helping you notice the voices in your head. Mindfulness is great. But also what's really great is just not having constant stimulation for a week. It's like magical. I barely use WhatsApp. I barely was on my phone. I barely even took pictures. I, like, I was like, I'm not even going to, I'll document, and I'll take one picture a day so I know what I've done that day. But I just was barely on it. And the only sensory input I had was TV, nature, or my boyfriend or my friends. And it was like, oh, there's a lot to be said for that in terms of you, the peace of mind that comes as a result of that. Mostly. Definitely. Last. Definitely. I had Thursday, Friday, Saturday last week. And very much the same. I was on my phone to take photos, but in Wales, there was no signal. And it was fantastic. And even even though it was like an active, more active than I anticipated because I got lost walking, but <laughs> I'd gone away on Thursday and I, oh, I don't know if this is the type of break I need. I know I need a break, but I don't know whether I just need like a not do mm-hmm. anything. But I think like you said, it can be physical, but it was that mental rest that I needed because coming back to work on Monday, I was like, yes, let's do it. I'm excited for this oh yes mental rest and and you don't really get much of it from like half a day either like it's it's better than nothing but a solid three days it's decent or a solid nine days for us was for me good times gosh nine days anyway um before we start getting started get started (laughs) clearly my grammar has massively improved since my break um before we get started on the questions I very upsettingly missed 
you losing your shit last week, which is really upsetting because <laughs> it doesn't happen often. And I love this. I love this side of you that 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 comes out a lot more now. But for a while, it was very well hidden. And I remember starting to see it from you, and I was like, "Oh, she's sassy." But she keeps it in. <laughs> and then, so when you lose it, I'm like, oh, "It makes me it makes me proud." And um, explain what it was. My my passive aggressive <laughs> response. <laughs> I got triggered last week when I saw another coach was sharing one of her client wins, saying how much work she'd done to improve her relationship with food, huge reduction in binge eating, and then shared it with how much weight she'd lost in the process. And I sat with it, obviously felt very... <laughs> there was that instant response and I was like you're stressed you're gonna go away tomorrow you don't need to be doing anything about this and then the longer I sat with it I was like no no this this isn't okay this is like we talked about this earlier this is something that we've been talking about for years and haven't really needed to speak about I think thanks to EIQ there's been a lot of a lot of people get back in check with things but when you see that sort of thing you're like no this isn't okay why is this still a thing so obviously I had to, not directing it at the coach, but just put a little reminder out that it's not okay to be selling, improving your relationship with food as fat loss. It's not yeah. good. Yeah. And then I think that you were telling me about it and I think it raises some important points because we support fat loss. Many of the people that we mentor support fat loss, but they also support relationships with food. And we've spoken about this before, so we're not going to go into too much detail around it, but... The, the reason that we don't we don't use transformation pictures and weight loss in relation to binge eating in that kind of direct comparison is because what that says is if you stop binge eating then you will definitely lose weight but which often you, you will but the the main problem is you are saying focus on weight loss, there's, there's a focus on weight loss when you're overcoming binge eating. If you focus on weight loss when you're overcoming binge eating, it will make it much harder for you to overcome binge eating. Now, there are some programs in um with, with a combination of CBT and dietary advice and things like that in terms of binge eating that still have a focus at least on weight loss, but the evidence behind that is so preliminary and so early. I haven't even spoken about that on Instagram or social media yet because or on a podcast yet because I am very mindful of promoting weight loss alongside binge eating recovery especially binge eating disorder which is what some of this research is in because it's not robust enough to say that it works whilst we have a robust body of evidence that says focusing on the way that you look whilst you're overcoming binge eating and improving your relationship with food is detrimental to your recovery and and so when you're sharing lose this much fat and stop binge eating you're still saying losing fat is better you're still saying it's okay to have this focus on your body and the way that your body looks whilst you're recovering from binge eating whereas the way that we would do it would be like we might say like you've lost fat but we would never usually talk about binge eating recovery and fat loss we might talk about relationships with food and fat loss because remember it's a spectrum and this is why i think it's murky because there's no like black and white rule here. Um, but we would be, for example, pretty 
like if we had somebody with binge eating disorder who was working with Roz, you would never see us say, oh, overcome binge eating disorder, lost 30 kilos or whatever. It's so unethical. But if someone was struggling with emotional eating and they overcame it and lost body fat and all these things at the same time, then we maybe would talk more about that. It's so, so, so murky. But a focus on the way your body looks consistently is a diet culture narrative and that is negative for someone's relationship with food and their body image. Yes, I just think it's shows a lack of like integrity and morals, I think, as well. Yeah. I like, I mean, look, I I think sometimes it can be naivety. I think sometimes it's like, well, that is what happened, so that's fine. And that might be what happened. But if now they're like being celebrated for their fat loss what's going to happen if they struggle with binge eating they're going to feel shame they're going to feel guilt they're going to feel like they failed on their fat loss in their fat loss especially because you as a coach have promoted it as this admirable thing they're less likely to tell you that they're struggling they're more likely to feel like a failure they're more likely then to be able to continue on with their habits um but i do understand what i do understand that for some people like it's like it's an uncertain thing and and I understand that if you're focused, if you support fat loss, which we all do, you're constantly trying to think about how can I say fat loss is okay whilst also not impacting people's relationships with food. I know that it's a really hard kind of one to juggle. And honestly, sometimes it comes down to phrasing. I didn't use the word, the phrase binge eating for about 18 months. On social media you would never see me use the word phrase binge eating you'd always hear me say and that's when you were working with me but i'd always say overeating always because one i didn't want to work with people with eating disorders and at the time we didn't have ros um we did we weren't able to do that and two i felt that it felt weird because i was speaking about fat loss to to talk about binge eating it just felt wrong to me so i would always use the phrase overeating um and then obviously things have changed we've got different people on the team i'm much more confident in how i articulate this message but I, so but i do understand why it's difficult yeah it's it is like it's a hard one to balance for sure and i think of course you don't want to market yourself as someone that doesn't support fat loss because for some people it is uh, well it's necessary for health and better they work with someone that can support relationship with food alongside it so they can do it in the most helpful way and, and sustain the results but it is like you say it's how you how you word it and looking at all of the other things that they're achieving along the way aside from just the physical progress yeah and never, ever, 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 ever use a transformation picture to show recovery from binge eating, ever. That would be, honestly, that would be, that's that is when you're, that's detrimental because you really are saying this is what recovery from binge eating looks like in a physical way. And that's just not the case. And it's, and it's really unethical, in our opinion, in our opinion. And we could be, we might be wrong and that's okay, but we just don't subscribe to it. And you'll get passive aggressive. And I'm on. <laughs> oh, by the way, I got my, I didn't say to this, I got my Google Analytics through the today. Um, and it just Google Analytics basically, if you don't see these things, it just shows you, you know, what people are Googling, how people find your website and stuff. 
And down into the list, someone had Googled Dr. Anna Mundy. I'll take it. <laughs> it was like, interesting, interesting. Um, other key search terms for that, that took people to my page this, this uh, month were Tim Spector, diary of a CEO, um, and lots of people Googling cardio hunger. So if you're looking for content, there you go. Okay, let's get started on the questions. Do you want to go first? Uh, yes. How can you create a proper connection with people online when the only people who really engage in posts are friends and family? I feel I get more engagement when I post a reel that isn't really helpful or valuable, just kind of my routine or something. So I'm resistant to sharing that type of reel too often because it's not that helpful. Correct. Um, it's a great question. And we spoke about this at IFS. This, um, you, you can think that a post does really well because it gets likes or it gets views, but ultimately it might not be doing anything for your business at all. Um, Emma used an example at IFS of a post that she did that was like a lead gen post. Um, that sort of said, do you struggle? I think it was fat loss or something. You know, do you struggle to keep weight off or something? And she had a lead gen tool, and she said, you know, comment below with this or DM me or something. And it had seventy six likes, and she won't mind me saying it. it was a really basic post. It was like had like the words on it, and that was kind of it. Um, seven, something like seventy six likes, and she got something like oh, forty or fifty leads from that. Um. And then she she compared it to a reel that she did where she was doing pull-ups with one of her inspirational like quotes that she said herself. She was like, it's not giving value to anyone. And it had like 1,100 likes, which was great. No inquiries, no leads. And so I think it's really easy to say, well, th these are things that get engagement and likes and comments and things like that. But realistically, yes, you want to incorporate some of that stuff in because it brings people to your page. It shows your personality. Um, so that's really important. But it's not, other than that, it's not getting you business. It's not nurturing your relationships with your clients. It's not building connections or anything like that. So try not to get disheartened by the ones that are not getting the obvious engagement because it, there are other ways that you're helping people with those posts that are not quantifiable on that note a conversation I had with one of the coaches that I worked with earlier this week is if your engagement is very low make sure that you don't have like shit accounts following you or people that mute you and things like that what happens when you post is that Instagram notices if people engage with your post straight away and if people engage with your post straight away it the algorithm likes it so it pushes it more but if they don't, then um, the algorithm uh, hides it in its archives more, right? If you've got people that follow you that are like, this is why buying followers and stuff is one of the reasons why it's useless. Um, if they don't engage with your posts because they're crap accounts or because they've got you muted or because they're not interested because they are, you know, family and friends, which is not this person's case. Clearly this person has very got supportive family and friends. Um, Instagram doesn't like it. So you want to remove these accounts from your followers because you want people that are actively engaging. But on top of that, if people are not engaging, it's like you have to ask people to engage. Ask people to comment. I do this all the time. Yesterday, two days ago, whenever it was, 
I was like, okay, I've not been on Instagram for a week. I need to do something that is like, like gets engagement other than showing a picture of me in a bikini, which I don't have. Um, so I did a free resource that took 20 minutes to create. All I did was say I was going to give 10 free pieces of advice out and I gave seven of them. I said, if you want the other three, mm-hmm. comment below. I put the other, I put all 10 on a Canva document, made it very pretty, put it behind an email wall got all the podcasts that we've ever done on that topic and put it all onto a website page that's hidden and you have to put your email in to get it and I'm still getting comments on it now three days later because I told people comment and I made them comment with I'm a snack and I went to see if people would do it and they did (laughs) (laughs) but also because I'm like do you know what I'm talking about a heavy topic I'm talking about like ovarian at night let's just have lols you have to have lols so anyway point is Everyone has to ask people to engage, ask them to comment, ask them to share, ask them to like, give out free stuff. Don't overthink it. You could be like, okay, I'm going to do a free, I'm going to do a free um, resource. I've listened to this on the mentoring podcast. I'm going to do it. I'm going to add it to my to-do list. And in a week you're like, oh, I need to do that. Just do it right now. Go away, create something that takes five minutes to make, put it behind an email wall or just like don't even do that it doesn't even have to be on your website ask people to dm you they're then in your dms you've got them you can have conversations with them just go away and do it now engage with other people share other people's posts comment on other people's posts it is a social platform posting and then leaving will not get anybody to engage with you you have to play a bit of a social game on on social media Mm. I don't really, I don't really have anything much to add. I think, it, I don't, I don't like, she doesn't say it in this question, but I know many people will relate. And I know we've talked about it before, getting like hung up on likes and stuff and obviously hiding your, your like count. But the likes don't mean anything meaningful, really. I mean, I think it was I think it was level up last year I was going through that wild time where my reach was going crazy and I was getting like 100 200 more likes on posts than I would usually for no reason but the posts weren't of anything anything about you I'd get more comments maybe but again there was it didn't create any leads the posts weren't anything that people could save or use from and like looking at it quite objectively like that I'm like probably probably need to work my game a little bit <laughs> to make sure that I'm I'm actually supporting people you did but at that time like you're not giving yourself enough credit you put a lot of work into your social media at that time you played the game you did like trending audios you really you put effort into social media at that time that's why your engagement went up as much as it did it was just the the likes though mm-hmm. Yeah. nothing nothing much from it and then it died back down and then I stopped trying so I probably need to up my game again <laughs> I didn't want to say that but everything I've just said was kind of directed at you it, <laughs> it wasn't um okay how to ensure in busy periods of work you make time for you and don't miss habits because you feel like you don't have time i.e I kept missing my am routine because I felt like I had to start work earlier Again with the attack. (laughs) (laughs) 
like look at the 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 story that you're telling yourself like if you're starting the day telling yourself that you've not got time that you've got so much to do it's adding to the stress that you already feel and actually even if your morning routine does look a little bit different because you are going through a busier work period okay well I'm not going to do the six things that you normally do but I'm going to prioritize one or two of them because then you're setting the intention for the day of like pacing yourself and taking your time and making sure that, and I think it's easier as well to, to do something first thing in the morning for yourself, because if you're anything like me, you leave it till later on and then it doesn't get done. But my October intention was to treat myself daily. And that has been so far yoga each day in the hot pod and that's been great oh well done you meanwhile on Monday I started back at work and decided that um I was going to go back to the gym after a week off and I didn't get in my pajamas until 1 p.m and (laughs) at that point I'd gone for a little walk with my coffee in the morning 10 minutes come back to start work and then I didn't even realize I was in my pajamas at 1 p.m then then I was going to go to bed and I was like I'm not even showered today and I didn't make it to the gym put my gym clothes on so you make it to shower so I am not one to talk right now however I completely agree reduce your morning routine doesn't have to be this big deal but I think also just remembering that it always gets done something I said in my Monday email this week of realistically you always get what you need to get done done and if you don't get one thing done you recover from it it's not the end of the world it's not usually life-threatening unless you're you know cardiovascular surgeon or something like that um so I think almost like one being accepting that there will always be loads to do on your to-do list as a self-employed person your to-do list is never going to be done so what are you going to do just keep missing all your own stuff because you've got stuff on your to-do list well you're going to wake up when you're 70 and realize that you got your to-do list done but there's still stuff on it but you also missed out on a hell of a lot of stuff that would have supported your health um because you were waiting for that time when you miraculously get everything done so I think accepting that and then also just trusting yourself that you'll be okay if you if you don't get it done it's not the end of the world um and realistically you will like you're going to get it done you always get it done so it's no different be logical cut down your time don't spend two hours doing yoga in the morning but on the flip side like you're not really fun to be around if you've not done any of your morning routine and you just get straight into work either and also life is better when you're relaxed and having fun and your work is probably better when you're relaxed and having fun uh any words of wisdom ahead of my first live i'm framing it as being brave but that doesn't mean that there isn't a small part of me that thinks i will balls this up (laughs) Who cares if you balls up? We, like, what is ballsing up a lie? Saying something wrong? Big deal. I, I think I, I say stuff wrong all the time. It's very hard to believe, I know. Um, but sometimes I'll say something and I'm like, oh, that's... I'll look back and I think, hmm, it's not actually accurate. And it's not, it's not common. And it's not when it comes to, like, evidence and science and things. But... Um, Sometimes on a podcast, if I, I'll go off on a tangent, I'll be like, oh, wait, actually, is that actually what I meant to say? But nobody, like, it doesn't matter. No one's going home at, at night and writing in their journal. 
Amelia you know, said, do, do this. I need to do this exact thing. You don't know. If you are doing that, then I'm really sorry. Please stop doing that. Because on the whole, 95% of what I say is right. But there's always, this, we're all human and we all get stuff wrong. Like, who cares if you pause it up? Most people don't watch lives. Like, lives are good for Instagram engagement, the algorithm, getting your personality across. The main thing about lives is that you're getting, people are starting to see who you are. They can see how you talk. They can see what your face looks like. They can see who they might be working with. That's what the point of lives is. Not so that you know to the gram how many grams of protein Bob, who asked you a question on how much grams of protein you should be in a day. Not because so you get that meticulously right. Um, People probably won't know either. If you do something wrong, they're not going to know. Um, what did you do? Because I know that like you used to get really nervous for lives, and I remember you were like, "I'm going to be," you know, we set targets, didn't we? You're like, "I'm going to be really intentional with this," and got through that. And you're less. I wouldn't say you seem nervous on lives at all anymore. I got out of my head, <laughs> and I think there was so much comparison for me because obviously I'd watch you and Emma chat for forty five minutes, and it was so knowledgeable, and I was like needs to be like that but that that isn't me and that's not I mean don't get me wrong I'm sure people would they wouldn't love to watch me chat for 45 minutes but that's what not what I needed to do and I was psyching myself out before I'd even got started so it would be like if there was topics that came up with clients or things that I feel really confident talking about like I think I just talked about journaling for five minutes and then gave some prompts in the captions and that would that like that was all it needed to be for me just to get into the rhythm and I think like you said I set myself maybe target of two or three times a week five or ten minutes at a time and that was that was it I got over the 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 fear of doing it and I think I think I mean like anything it is just doing it once and then realizing nobody nobody cares if you screw up nobody cares if you can't get your words out or, or if there's ums and ahs or it takes forever to realize that you are actually live or you're waiting for someone to join you nobody minds it they get it and they scroll through it anyway so get out of your head and just have fun with it yeah do you know what realizing that no one really cares <laughs> and be extremely freeing extremely freeing you can get so much into your own head and it's like that's going to be on someone's timeline for what i say two seconds maybe three if they've got a good attention span great and then that's it that's it i would much rather people see me being human because they know when they work with me <laughs> that that that's just how i am and i am technically challenged and i do stumble with words but i'm still i'm still a good coach so correct correct great coaches can see the wrong things and laugh at themselves but yeah lots of that <laughs> um okay how do stressful weeks impact your relationship with your body and how can you help yourself during this time i mean if we think about well, there's, lot, there's lots of reasons why, but I'm going down the route that obviously stress impacts our limbic brain, the emotional brain. 
and we know that that is closely linked like emotions and body image are closely linked so when we're under more stress we're more likely to be well critical about ourselves in general but also about our bodies because that is part of where body image is formed so I think if you can be a bit like perhaps you are with like hormonal times if you can think of it in the same way and be like right I'm being an ass to myself right now because I'm under a lot of stress what do I need to do to support myself because it's not my body that's the issue it's everything else that's going on and that might be taking some time out or if it is a busier busier week okay well how can I like work through this and make it feel a bit more manageable am I still prioritizing morning routine and time to myself and time to de-stress and then alongside that obviously all the things that you can do to support your body image as well yeah I agree I quite like that if you're a visual a visual person I quite like the visual of so specifically so your parietal lobes if you think about Parts of your brain are at quote, quote, activated, right, at different times. And when you're under periods of stress, like you said, Anna, like parts, these parts of your brain are um, impacted. And if you think about the parietal lobes, which are responsible for lots of things, but one of the things being body image and how you see yourself, they become activated. And I kind of like to think of it like I envisage the part, the, that part of my brain being in my brain. And I, when I think of it being activated, I almost think of it being like lit up, like in fire. And it sounds really odd, but the reason why I find that quite helpful to acknowledge that and um, what's what I'm looking for, I guess be objective with it is because then I go, okay, well, it's on fire. What does it need? What does it? What does that part of my brain need if it's on fire? It needs soothing. It needs calming. It needs that fire to be put out. And in, whilst it's on fire, nothing that it is doing is particularly logical, i.e. my body image. It's just not logical. So it's that thing that you said of kind of just almost saying, oh, interesting. Interesting that my my body image is like this right now. That makes sense because that part of my brain is on fire. It needs to be extinguished. It needs to be soothed. And allowing yourself to like, I quite like the visual of it because, well, I just like, I like to visually learn. Um so I think just keeping that objectivity is really important and not falling into the self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, I'm just too busy, so I can't, I can't prioritise myself right now. You are a coach. And so it, it sometimes comes down to practising what you preach a little bit. Of like, What would you say to a client who said, oh, I feel really crap in my body, I'm just so stressed out. What would you say to them? And then you actively practising what you preach in that situation. And what's amazing too when you do that is, that's a learning experience that you can then share with your clients and you can say oh this this is something that I experience and this is what I do to manage that and how many of your clients struggle with stress and how many of them struggle with their body image so for you to say I've been through that experience and I get it and these are things that I do is actually really great for your business I was so one of my clients is just doing a launch right now and it's like busy busy week she's got one-to-one clients and also doing a a group uh program and it was the same thing like how can we make sure that you are still doing those things to support yourself and manage stress whilst also working a little bit more than usual and a couple of things that 
what I've been trialing and she's had success with like that you can do you know if you, if you ask someone they're like no I've just not got time for that I need to be stood or sat at work is um like balance stuff and then I've done a post on this a while ago but like tree pose because again like it's the vestibular system isn't it and when you're working the vestibular system it helps to calm the limbic system and alongside balance work you can do like just gentle rocking with your hips or swaying with your arms if you're not typing and again it's like bilateral stimulation and rhythm work interesting so, you sort of touched on that ifs didn't you a little bit but maybe not into that much detail. Um, very interesting. So there you go. Yeah. Your so when you tell, tell us that you just don't have time, it's rubbish, I'm afraid. We've all got time for that. Right. If this person is not on a next call with me on one leg, but <laughs> in prayer position, I'm going to be pretty living, <laughs> to be quite frank. Uh, okay, question. Your question. I have my first client and then it's the party face emoji. <laughs> She says, I have my first client. I am realizing that winging it is likely not going to be a long term solution. And wondered, aside from an initial starting document, if there were any client resources you would consider a must have. No. And the reason I'm saying no is because. Hmm. Client resources are like a bonus, are like an add-on. If you've worked with ETPHD, you think that client resources are something that you have to have, and they're not. When I started ETPHD, and well, I started coaching on my own, resources wasn't really a thing. People would have recipe books. And stuff. I'm not saying I created client resources, right? But people had recipe books or maybe kind of introductions to like what nutrition is like macros trap like how to use my fitness pal educational stuff like that so they were definitely a thing um but things around body image and mindfulness and self-compassion and all of these core pillars that we have like i just started developing them because i realized i was saying the same thing multiple times to to different people and then that's how it has become for ETPHD method where we have a bank of hundreds of resources. And I know that when coaches start to work with us, they start to think, oh, I need to have all of these things um, and sometimes take some of the resources that we have and, and use them and that's whatever. Um, but you don't, you want to build resources based on what your clients are expressing to you. So if your first client says, Oh, I'm really struggling with um my, how I feel about my body. I feel really like I lack confidence in my body. And they're consistently saying this week in, week out. Say, oh, they probably need some help with their body image. Okay, what can I put together that's going to help them with their body image that I imagine a lot of people are probably going to have this problem when they're working with me. Okay, I'm going to put this together, this I don't know, checklist, whatever it is. And then you create that resource and then you give that to them. Done. And then... A month later, they say, oh, I'm just such a dickhead. I overate the weekend. I can't believe I've been working with you for six weeks and I'm still overeating. Like, what an arsehole. And you can say, hmm, this person's really struggling with their compassion towards themselves. How could I support them to be more compassionate? And then you might create something for them and think, this is probably going to be useful for other people. Resource done. Might not be a resource. It might be a short podcast episode or a, a short video or a document it could be so many things 
don't get caught into doing it the way that maybe the ETPHD method do it or somebody else do it because you like the way that we do it because you could do something equally as fantastic if not better than who knows although obviously that'd be very difficult um so you know basic things like introductions to nutrition and things like that for sure they might be useful and a common mistake that people make again I had this conversation with someone this week is in a starter pack pack giving out tons of information hours is too long the ATPHD starter pack is too long and I'll say that here we've we've cut it down many times we you know it kind of creeps back and and I'm aware of that and I'm okay with that in terms of we have success so I don't mind right um but think about what you've got in your starter pack and think do I need all of this in the starter pack or should this be resources should this be a separate resource um but honestly there are I would say there are no non like no definitive things because you have to base it on the type of person you're working with what do they need I think it, like you said it just comes with like there's don't want to brush into it like get the experience see what's consistently coming up and bedazzle them with your coaching skills rather than all these freebies so much that and congratulations on getting your first client um but you are right the magic is in your coaching it's not in the stuff it's really not in the stuff it's in your your personality and your coaching skills like you said okay how do you show up on social media or on podcasts when your mood is impacted by challenging life situations? Do you ever do you ever want to retract and can't face showing up? Do you? <laughs> do you? <laughs> um, I mean, anybody that follows me will see. <laughs> I haven't been on very much recently. <laughs> um. It, it is it is really hard it is really hard and I had this conversation with a client today actually in and I, I think we've talked about this in another recording like there there is that I mean is it is it self-compassion I don't know but ultimately it's your business like you have to do these things and it's one of the sucky things about working online and potentially I don't know if this person is being self-employed like you have to do these things so is there like with your socials is there a middle ground like can you just repurpose some content for a little bit that's okay at some point draw a line and be like no come on now like head out but let's do some work but I think with I treat podcasts much like I mean obviously I love speaking to you like even if I'm in a mood beforehand I'm like no it's, it's all good <laughs> but I would treat it like if you are if you're being nervous like okay if you're being nervous do you need something to downregulate you or upregulate you if you're in a low mood maybe it's like the upregulation stuff and I don't know like I've got a lemongrass and something candle burning a lot of the time because I'm just going through a bit of a tired phase right now and that helps to kind of bring some energy maybe it's a dance around your kitchen or something similar just to kind of get that energy up before you show up and then it's what an hour out of the day and job done you know what's really interesting is this person we had a great conversation this week who asked this question um about up regulation because she said you know 
I, I think a lot about down regulation and that anxiety side, she said, but actually I've been experiencing the opposite. And um, so I've been focusing on up regulation and we don't talk about that enough. We don't, we always talk about self-soothing and down regulation. And um, so she brought up some really great points around that. So the fact that you've mentioned that is great because that's where she's, that's what she's been doing. Um, I also think like you'd have to do it in any job, you know, you'd have to do it if you worked in retail, if you worked, well, I cannot think of a single other job in the world, if you were a police person, like you would have to, ultimately, you have to show up at work, regardless of how you feel, right? The amazing thing about the work that we do is that we can kind of be a bit flexible with that. And we can choose to, if we're feeling low, like I'll do more like carousels, I'll do more reposts, I'll do more written stuff and and fewer absolutely hilarious reels um i think with podcasts honestly even if i'm in a low mood i will always show up to podcasts as my best self i mean i'll try and show up as my best self and i do that by checking in with myself before i do it and i will say how do i want to show up for this podcast and i will i think with podcasts you have to be so present in what you're doing you can't be sat on your phone you can't be doing other things so I actually love podcasts and calls for days where I do struggle with my mood because as much as between those calls and podcasts, I'm a bit blah, I get such a high of being immersed in the person that I'm speaking to, even as an introvert, even as someone who's actually quite shy, I actually think it's helpful. So I think one thing to know is if you are struggling with maybe the lower mood and you want to retreat and you want to back away maybe actually doing the opposite and encouraging yourself to have conversations, to go and do a live, to record a podcast, any of these things that give you social connection as well are actually probably really, really helpful for you. So try not to fall into the the, the ease at which retraction is presenting itself. And I definitely do that, by the way. So if you do this, it's not a judgment, but notice the difference that you that is created when you're actually more, more like intentional with one how you show up and two actually make like making these plans um do you think there is an ideal length of time for a podcast and also is it better to consistently go solo or have guests i think podcast personally i think podcasts should be either like 20 minutes or an hour ish max I, I don't love somewhere in between and I say that knowing that this one's probably going to be somewhere in between I don't think it really matters but people usually if they listen like think about how you listen to a podcast you know if one's going to be long you know if it's going to be short and you'll pick accordingly depending on what you're doing if you're going out for a walk you might just stick on a half hour podcast so you want something in that time if you've got a long drive maybe you want a four-hour podcast although I've never been someone that wants a four-hour podcast um I don't I honestly don't think it really matters I, I like to go with kind of either like a solo one 20 ish minutes a, a joint one with someone else an hour ish because I to be honest I get bored of my the sound of my, one person's voice for that long but I know some people love that and that's fine um guests great for exposing yourself to other people's audiences if they share stuff um but ultimately if you have a guest on there remember you're positioning them as an expert so what you don't want to be doing is having I wouldn't want Anna to come on my podcast and then me to position her as an expert if she didn't work with me. 
And I'd be, then it'd be stupid because then people would listen to her and be like, she's well better than me. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go and listen. I'm going to go and work with her. It wouldn't make sense. So if you have guests on, you want to make sure they're sufficiently different and they're doing like, they're not someone who is exactly the same as you. Unless it's a case of like, I mean, Emma and I are different, but like, unless it's a case of we'll do stuff together because we're, well, yeah, we're sufficiently different. We actually are sufficiently different. So you just have to be mindful of that. But I think guests can be great to increase your exposure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But like you said, it's it's one of those things that it, there's that safety in going to kind of those people that, that may be in your echo chamber. And sometimes it's, it's, okay, take myself out. And who could I have a really great conversation with who might challenge me a little bit? Because I think that's really important because it gives you a chance to get your knowledge across as well. Mm, absolutely. Okay, one last question. If clients leave due to their own life stuff and you know they haven't achieved what they wanted to, would you still collate testimonials? I feel very weird asking when I know they're leaving because of life priorities, but that they haven't achieved what they wanted to. It feels false to ask. Good question. Mm. Mm. I mean, there's always going to be people that leave for whatever reasons and they haven't got to where maybe they had wanted to when they start but that shouldn't be a reason not to ask for a testimonial right they're probably going to be able to give you really good feedback not not like constructive (laughs) not constructive or what did counseling was called it uh, developmental feedback oh nice yeah but what I mean what I mean is you are it sounds as though you are feeling a bit like a failure because they haven't and you're focusing on that angle which is obviously what we don't ask clients to be doing it's the the process along the way and in their testimonial they might be able they they might not even be thinking about that but actually you were there to support me through this really difficult time and I was still able to keep on top of x y and z that's a freaking great win like celebrate that share that because other people that also might be struggling but like oh well do you know what it might be helpful to have a coach right now because they can help keep me accountable and make sure that I'm in the best possible place yeah I agree and just frame it as feedback so you get testimonial stuff in there but it's one whole thing of like oh any client who's finishing up I, w- I really appreciate um you're taking five minutes to fill out this form um to support my coaching process and you know if you're happy for me to share any of this information on like anonymously online etc all the stuff that you normally say but you're not framing it as tell me everything that's great about myself you're framing it as feedback as a whole and yes within that there will be like what things do you were you surprised by what did you love what would you like more of and it's hard to ask someone who finished early for feedback because you know that this might not be 100% positive because he left early so it's very vulnerable thing to do and that's probably why it feels a little bit icky to ask them um which I completely understand but realistically like you said they're a great opportunity to get feedback with to think okay well maybe I could change something so you know make sure you ask for it on your follicular phase um and then and then just yeah just and, and don't go in with any expectations for it if they don't have anything nice to say then they don't have anything nice to say and it, it, it stings 
But I guarantee you that they do because I know who this coach is and so I can be sure that they've got nice things to say. Um, And if they've got things that you can work on, then great. But you just say, you can just frame it as, I give this to all everyone who finishes up with me type of vibe. So it's not false. It's not icky. It's just, of course. You you kind of expect it. Like, you don't expect to not get an Uber and then ask for an Uber rating. You don't, like, when I order stuff online, I'll always get an email like, about your recent purchase. Like, you just expect it. So to not get it is a bit odd, you know, and it might make them be like, oh, interesting that they didn't, she didn't ask for any feedback from me. Interesting, maybe she thinks it was bad or whatever. And then they might email you out of the blue and be like, just so you know, blah, blah, blah. You just don't know. Just don't like, don't get lost. Don't, don't do things that are supportive of your business because you're a bit stuck in your own head about it, which is understandable. Okay, thanks for all the great questions. Keep them coming in. The more questions you give us, the more Anna will appear on the podcast because, you know, we need to read the questions. So keep them coming. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. Thanks. Bye.